Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. So many people here. This is what we call a super spreader event. So I hope you've all got health insurance. How are you all doing tonight? Yeah, great. I stuffed up the word tonight, which is not a good start. Um, we haven't done a live show in almost three years. If a car was off the road that long, it would be completely useless. So please bear with us while we warm back up. Uh, and please give a big round of applause to my dad, John Verhoeven. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Well, to use one of my favourite phrases, you're in for a treat. <laughs> and I wasn't just... I mean, I don't want you to think that... So, um, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm shitting myself, but it'll, it'll only last a little while. Well, actually, we were talking about this backstage. Uh, we share a certain hereditary trait. Um, when we get nervous, we actually do shit ourselves. That's an actual, that's an actual thing, and there's only one bathroom back there, so please uh, be careful. Um... Dad and I, before we finished touring and before lockdown, you know, crushed the world, basically, uh, we were due to perform at a very strange venue. Um, we had actually booked one of the smaller rooms at the Sydney Opera House. Now, no reaction at all. Um, and that would have sounded even better in the Sydney Opera House because the acoustics are wonderful. But we didn't land the venue, and that's a good thing, Dad, because you actually used to work at the Opera House, right? Correct. So I was in charge of security at the Sydney Opera House, which is a fairly iconic building. And, I mean, I am so understated. I think we all know that. And this story tonight, and I pause, as you all know, for effect, but this is a fucked up story, <laughs> as are all my stories. Actually, but is this particular story... Do you want to just... By the way, everyone, this is being recorded. Yeah, uh, and, and can this we, is no bullshit what's about. Can we just... Do you want to cut the recording for this story? Now, the... We're going to cut the recording. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Now, now, this, now this next story. Yeah, yeah. Um, is, it, is this is this a good? St- this it's is a good story. Okay. And, uh, and, and if anyone out there, and there may well be people in here that are sort of thinking, John, maybe that was a bit, you know. But but at least I'm telling you because I regard you all as well, kind of like a family, and I really appreciate you being here tonight. So, <clears throat> one day at the Sydney Opera House, it was a midweek, midday. It was sort of ten in the morning, and an emergency call came over the, uh, all the radios. And the message was there was a lady floating in Sydney Harbour. And I, I don't know whether a lot of you know this, but you know, I'm a pretty good swimmer. And I, I ran instinctively. And it, was a, it, was a very, very, it was probably half a kilometre run. Those people that have been to the Sydney Opera House, sort of from the very, very sort of entrance where you come into the front of the Opera House, and I ran. And by the time I got to this scene... There were probably maybe 500 people just watching. No one could do anything. And there was a lady, face down, floating in Sydney Harbour. And the tide was fairly low. I stripped down to my underpants. And I had to sort of get up on this weird angled fence. Yes. And the thing that I was thinking about in that moment of time was because I knew I had to dive at 45 degrees. If I hadn't, if I would have been sort of de- sort of disemboweled on the rocks. I'm not. I, this is fucked up. This is heavy, and the crowd and it's all the adrenaline and and I, the thing I thought about as I just lunged was, am I going to lose my underpants? <laughs> and that's a fact. I, in that moment of time, I thought. I was conscious of 500 people or so watching me. We were in shape of my, my really nice bottom. Were you, were momentarily. You, were you fit at this point? Were you in shape at all? Or? What are you saying, Paul? <laughs> I'm saying that when you're in the police force, they expected a certain level of uh, cardiac. Look, I was, uh, I was still swimming a fair bit. Okay. I dived out. Now, there's a, there's a side to this story that I probably haven't mentioned before, but there was a male nurse that worked. And I don't want you to sort of go down the rabbit hole with your, your minds because I've already mentioned batons. <laughs> and now I'm speaking this male nurse. And he actually, he really, really liked me. <laughs> and when I say that, I mean he really liked me. And I'm not going to say loved me because that sounds weird. But every time I walked into the hospital, because there's an, a hospital at the Sydney Opera House, he sort of, his face just beamed. And I look around and think, oh, it's me. Um, but he was a really nice guy. But he was, look, he was a party guy. He was into drugs. He was, you know, he was in his, how old was he? Maybe in his late 40s, early 50s. He somehow or other decided that he too would dive into the harbour. <laughs> now, this story, if you had 20 scriptwriters in Hollywood, they couldn't dream what I'm about to tell you. We swim out to the body. She's fucked. Is she? <laughs> is she? She's d- been on her face down. But is she dead? Uh, she's completely dead. She oh, had been. She was dead. Yeah, she's dead. But she's still floating because she was a big lady, and she had lots of air inside her. Like, and she was floating, but she was clearly dead. And it was. I thought because I've done lots of CPR and I've improvised, and what I did is well with his help we rolled her over. Onto her, onto her back. We started doing cardiac compression, just 
pulling sort of wrapping and she, there was a lot of vomit and stuff all around her and we were sort of swimming in her bodily fluids she was clearly dead and I remember I was on one side of the lady this guy his name was David he was on the other side and his hand touched my penis <laughs> now now once I thought okay so I'm already thinking this is fucked I'm trying to improvise and do resuscitation at a clearly terribly fucked up thou- literally more than a thousand people now I mean it's a, it's a huge production so you're saying maybe wait till afterwards to touch your dick well, well I just thought the first time he did it was an accident right the second time and I think he was taking advantage of the situation. And he was literally <laughs> reaching under and he was giving me... He, he was playing with my dusters. And, uh, yeah, true story. So, then weirdly, Captain Cook cruises. <laughs> I fail to see the humour in that. Captain Cook cruises. Yeah. We, we, we drifted out into the middle of the shipping lane. They had to shut. I mean, there was, it was choppy. It was... And we're trying to work on this particular woman. It was fucking difficult. And uh, I'll never forget, a Captain Cook boat comes in with all these tourists. They come right in. And the only thing they did, it was a photographic opportunity for the people on board to take photos. They didn't even throw us a life preserver. We're treading water for at least, well, more than ten minutes and we have a dead person that we're trying to improvise, you know, trying to resuscitate. They come in, photo shoot, and fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Then eventually the water police come and they drop the bottom of the boat, the, the back of the boat, and it kind of is water level. Mm. And they use some sort of a hook and they just gaffed her and pulled her on and she just slid like a, like a tuna. Uh, no, well, perhaps not a great analogy. Uh, maybe a. Doesn't really matter what whale. the fish is. Oh, like fuck. Sorry. Oh, God. Don't listen to the audience. <laughs> and it was pretty heavy duty. The, the CEO of the Sydney Opera House, who had a. had a bit of a limp, he too fancied me. <laughs> he reminded me of. Um, Every, every one of your stories, at least three characters want to fuck dad. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I can't, I'm just being very frank with you all because I think it's important tonight to just go, right. with, the, go with the flow. Okay, but listen, you're on the boat. There's a dead person there and yeah. now you're in your red underwear. Yeah. And there's... Sitting the... opposite my mate. Right. I think he had a partial. <laughs> partial fingerprint or partial... <laughs> and, uh... Because he was giving me funny looks. And, um... Anyway, we, we, we go into what's called the Commissioner's Steps. The CEO of the Sydney Opera House, who had a funny walk. You can't say gimp, can you? But he had a funny walk. And he came up to me, Paul's looking very serious. Oh, sorry, mate. That's right. um, and he hugged me in my wet... Un- like I'm just wringing wet, underpants. By this stage, it's a very, very big production. And he, he, he almost started crying. He was just in awe, seeing someone do... What I did, which is pretty cool. Did you ask for a raise? <laughs> there were raises everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's well, a sad part of this story because I, kn- you know, every single show we've ever done, Paul, yeah. is it's in a comedy venue. Yeah. 
and people go, that's weird. Because of course we are going to talk some fucked up shit, like really bad, and not even funny. I hate to say, but I thought it was good to. I mean, to be fair, someone did die in that story. <coughs> the lady went there to commit suicide, and they don't talk about these things because they don't want iconic locations to become the focal point. When I went back to work, my colleagues, <coughs> very unimpressed with them, had recorded the entire thing, including her jumping oh. on video. And they said to me, do you want to come in and have a look? And I went, y you're fucked. So How did you get that job, by the way, at the Opera House? <coughs> with great difficulty. Right. In fact... Um, did your police work at any point come into the... Oh, very much so. Are there any links to the job application story of there is one that might tie us into the true crime somehow? Is there any link? Who knows or has heard about Julian? Um, Julian in real life, not his real name. My best... <coughs> was my best friend. Things sort of went a bit sour <coughs> for lots of reasons, but he introduced me to a, uh, to a cartoon character. Marvin the Martian. Marvin the Martian, yeah. <coughs> now that might sound weird, as may well everything I say tonight sound weird. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> to get inside my brain, I I can't do drugs. I you are drugs. You know, <laughs> I, I did take drugs, uh, and, but only when I was in the police force, when I had, <laughs> when I had access to the exhibit room. Oh, <laughs> joking. Um, but <laughs> You've gotten so good at this; it's really upsetting. You just. <laughs> I know drugs are bad because once I did chew some hash, it took ages to come on, and I remember I was preparing for about half an hour for a stop sign. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Uh, okay, so I Ju could really Julian. talk all night about that. But Marvin the Martian. The first day I was working at the Sydney Opera House, I had, we lived in Manly, I had to catch the, uh, the ferry, yeah. and I had a bit of an urge to go to the toilet. But I thought, and I should have listened to my inner self yeah because I can tell you we could talk all night about my experiences and Christine who is in the room tonight will attest and she just she's so amazing she just goes John you are fucked <laughs> and, and she actually when I get when I talk to people I get to very close to them and she she rubs my sternum and it's like sort of hypnotising a chicken. <laughs> you know if you hold a chicken and you just rub it? Yeah. Have you ever done that? I've seen Because oh, cool. if you had, that's pretty weird. Yeah. Although I used to know a guy that his job was to get sperm from bantams. And he used to flip them over and he used to... Incredible. There are people that do that. Can we get back to the... Sorry. <laughs> oh, fuck. Give him 90 seconds to himself. He's jacking Shit, off chickens sorry. in the corner. <laughs> No, I, I apologise because I realise we have a finite amount of time. We tonight. do, yeah, yeah. So uh, Marvin the Martian, and first day. I thought I'd make it. You know, I, I'm sort of getting a bit anxious. I start to sweat when I need to go to the toilet. Um, I get to the circular key, and it's a long walk around to the opera house. It's a th how long is the, the ferry takes, including boarding, about forty minutes or used to? Hmm. That's you a long. That's and, and I, I, for those that really know me well in terms of listening to the podcast, will know I can't go to a public toilet. There's anyone else. In, in there could be a thousand cubicles. If there's one person in them, I'm fucked. <laughs> and I just have to... It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. So um, <laughs> I knew I could... I had to try and make it. I, I could have gone to the toilet at the circular key, mm. 
but I thought I'd make it to the Opera House, and it's my first morning. How long is that? It's a long walk. It's a long, it's 500 metres. And I was dressed nicely on the first day, but as a singlet, I wore my Marvin <laughs> T-shirt. The one, where'd you get the shirt from? Hang on. Are you... Sorry, please continue with this story. I just, I, I think I've I figured out where it's going, so... Do you? Yeah. They were doing construction along the walkway, and there were these huge... And next time you're all there, you'll notice these huge pillars. And in my mind, I thought I could hide behind a pillar. <laughs> but I knew now, looking back on it, I wasn't hiding. <laughs> I thought, because I needed to go to the toilet, and I'm not kidding, I couldn't make it to the Opera House. But I had a beautiful, like I was dressed really well, but I, I realised I had my special, t you know, black T-shirt. And somehow or other I managed to take my top off, get my black, priceless T-shirt, and I, I went to the toilet. Now, I don't think more than two or three hundred people saw me, <laughs> but in my mind, in my mind I was, you know how you go into the zone, and you just don't care, you feel good. And I had to wipe my bum. So I used my Marvin T-shirt. And then I, I, I processed the information and I thought, I can't throw this T-shirt away. <laughs> so I had to roll it up and I took it with me to my first day at the Sydney Opera House. And then I put it in a bag and took it home. <laughs> and yeah, true story. Who's it, where, how does this link to true crime in any way? Where'd you get the shirt? From my good friend, Mark. Fuck. <laughs> that's never happened before. Never. Okay, that's fucked. And if Sorry. anyone here tells anyone... No, no, that's, that's fucked. Because I... Fuck. So that's how deep I go. Actually, a few times through the podcast, he's chucked in fake names and pretended he was shocked when they mm. slipped out. So maybe this is one of those times. Mm. It's not, though. Um... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, so um, just to recap, uh, you, you, you stuck a uh, award-winning composer's baton uh, up your butthole. You, <laughs> Paul, I didn't stick it up my ass. <laughs> I, I just rubbed it around my record. Dad? Okay, there's no insertion it, Dad, for the record. But you did, though. Just a little bit. Just a tip. It's the most, it's, it's, it's the most sensitive part of the baton. Um, and then you shat in your best friend's shirt, but uh, we actually need to aggressively get back on track. True, so, true, sorry. Um, we're doing a matinee show tomorrow. Matinee show is a little scary because, uh, as you can tell, this isn't the most PG content. Uh, so we thought what we'd do is course correct and just run towards one of the worst, most intense stories that you've ever told. Mm. Uh, and that is the one uh, involving a little bit of um, sort of electrician DIY below the house, which had unexpected consequences. Do you know the story Paul I'm talking about? Paul is so cryptic, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> I, can't, I can't just say what the story is. It involved the bathtub and the lady. This is terrible. This is a bad story. Now, if you've heard it on the podcast, this is like the Dylan acoustic version. He'll just kind of add some new details. But, I mean, is this, is this actually an okay story to tell to a crowd of people? Or? Well, everyone's over 15. Are they? I don't know. Okay. But, um, okay, this story's... Um, quite extraordinary. There will be people in the crowd that <coughs> perhaps know the story, but my analogy again, because I love analogies. If I went to see Kraftwerk, has anyone seen or heard of Kraftwerk? Yeah. Or pick your favourite band. And you've, they've got the songs you love. 
can you imagine going to a concert and they didn't play your favourite song? You'd be so jacked off. So that's why tonight <laughs> you get to bad bad words again. But you know what I mean. Like so, so you get you get to hear some 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 of the some what of the great stuff, and um, this story's a cracker. But we have to go back in history. No, I won't go right back, like thousands of years, <laughs> because we'd be fucking here all night. Not fucking, we'd be here. <laughs> we'd be here all night. So um, it's going very well. <laughs> okay. So um, okay. Elderly Leighton. Shit, she's not that old. She lives in a fibro house in a suburb of Sydney called Ride. Is it a well-off? It's a well-off area. That's not bad. If anyone lives there, it's okay. But <laughs> Ride, know, it's okay. No, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, but socioeconomically, things change. Yeah, okay. Don't they? Right. So, this lady's having a problem with her fuse box. It keeps blowing. Does anyone remember fuse wire? So you'd get the little, like, cardboard, and it had, and it was different thicknesses. And the neighbour comes over, and they start experimenting. It keeps blowing. Neighbour has a great idea. Is the neighbour a tradie of any kind, or just nah, just a fucking neighbour? Just a guy winging it. Okay. Just you know, doesn't know shit from clay. <laughs> he comes over and he puts a nail in the fuse. So what does that actually do okay. on an engineering level? It means level? that from a technical perspective, it is not going to blow if something shorts. It, it's just not going to. It's going to heat up, but it's going to be bad. But to be fair, when a fuse blows and the power goes out, that is the house being safe. Correct. That is, well, not the house. It's not sentient, but that is like a, that is a safety feature Correct. of the house. Okay, and this is to override the safety features, just, and also, I'm guessing, partly because he just didn't want to He was keep sick of c- continually coming back, and yeah. he thought, look, this is going to solve all the problems. Many years later, the lady was feeling a bit depressed. Don't know whether we should have had a, a sort of a caveat at the beginning of the show about suicide. Yeah, that's a pretty big Yeah, it's trigger. a big, big topic. Okay. So she decided that things were fucked up <coughs> and she took it to the ultimate. And what she did, she got an old-fashioned heater. It was a two-bar heater called Speedy. S-P-E-E-D-I-E. They were very popular in the 50s and the 60s. You could, uh, as a young kid, I used to do toast on them. Did anyone ever toast on them? Like, fuck, fucking scary. She decides to hop in the bath. She fills the bath up. She then has the heater plugged in, and she then drops the heater into the water. It doesn't blow. So there's a... Like putting an element into water like being inside a jug. She dies, of course, because she's electrocuted. Because it's a metal bath, so it's, you know, and water. It's got all the the right things to conduct electricity. And over maybe ten hours, she cooked. And she just boiled and bubbled. And the layer of the fluid turned into a really, really good stock. (laughs) <laughs> We're talking A grade. And, you know, it's quite possible, friends and, and, and compatriots, that, you know, if I was to do a taste test... No. You know? No. There's that. In fact, may I digress for just a sec? And you're all going to go, John, you are completely fucked. 
but sometimes we all think weird things. Is that right? Yeah. What part of the human body do you think would be the best to eat? <laughs> it's fucked, isn't it? You know what? I've come to the conclusion. Paul's looking... No, no, I just have an answer. Oh, okay. So I think it's this part here. <coughs> it's not that exciting, but just think about it. And it's not creepy. I mean, it's fucked. But, you know, these things happen. They've happened in the Andes. I rest my case. Uh, <laughs> fuck, where are we? Um, okay. Like a kid's just like daubing shit on a wall, turns around and sees his dad, goes, oh, fuck. Like, you're not in um, trouble. No, no. But um, They specifically want this from you. I, I understand. Okay, so imagine she's... she's there's literally no skin hey, on her. Hey, just, just, just zap forward. You came into... Bad choice of words. You came into that room <laughs> in forensics. What did you actually see when uh, you entered that room? Before I came in, uh-huh. her two sons That's right. were coming around for Sunday roast. <laughs> and they could smell this magnificent aroma. No, no, that's a fact. That's in the police record. They thought mum was cooking a special... She was cooking her, one of her special Sunday roasts. The, the, the two boys, adults, had gone into the house, smelled this aroma. They walked into the bathroom. The first brother, son, he slipped on because there was fat. Because the steam had congealed and it had spread the fat particles all over the shop. What colour is fat? Like yellow droplets? Yellow and just fucked. Right. And just, it's like a fucking margarine, but fucked. And it's all fucked. If, if, you, if you don't start me, but it's not fucking great. The way you say fucked is like a slap in the face. It's so, like, fucked. No, but, you know, I, 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 did an an, I deal in antiques, as some of you may know, and I went to this antique call a few weeks ago. There was this American guy who committed an act of sacrilege, which I'm not going to go into, but he had a go at me for swearing. And I said, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) And he was just fucked. Okay? And, you know... But anyway, so the boys have come in, they've seen... I, I... The photographs of this particular thing, it's so bad, it's worse than pretty well anything you can imagine. Although I've seen worse. <laughs> I have. But this was bad. How do you deal with a body that is soup? Like, how do you actually... You get a huge ladle. <laughs> and uh, you get a couple of cake slices. And some sieves. No, you don't. And someone had to reach in and, uh, and pull the plug. And, uh, yeah. Pretty traumatic. I'm amazed. Yeah. A, how I can talk about this stuff. B, how you can all listen to it. Because that's slightly problematic. <laughs> uh, but great, it's great. You know, it's so good to talk about these things because people that don't talk, I think they're the ones that, um, you know, just not to talk about this stuff is is not healthy. With this crime, thi- crime, it's not really a... Well, it is technically, but th- this story is one that only came out when you brought it to light on the show, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you wanted to talk to us about a story that everyone's probably quite familiar with, um, and you wanted to provide some insights into the case of Kim Barry. Mm. Um, I've not actually... I don't know what you're going to say right now. Mm. It's, it's, it's. Does anyone know the Kim Barry story? Oh, fuck, how good is this? All right, not many people. So this is great. It's a sad story because it's been forgotten. And I think that's... When I, when I relive the story tonight, I want you to be 
troubled by our society, the way... Because this is one of the worst murders in Australian history. Um, so, let's imagine Melbourne tonight. Big city. On the balance of probabilities, something bad is going to happen tonight in this city. And it could be happening now, it could be someone could be preparing something to commit some atrocity or it could be a spontaneous crime that's going to happen tonight and we don't know about it until perhaps tomorrow morning, perhaps not for days or weeks, depending on how they conceal the body. So I'll, I'll set the mood here and I only found this out today, which I found slightly creepy and perhaps somewhat, uh, well I thought it was unusual and that was that what I'm about to tell you, this particular person that was discovered, mm. was discovered on my 21st birthday. I just joined the New South Wales Police Force and fuck, I was just raring to go. South of Sydney in a town called Wollongong and up in the mountains, a young guy, he's a plumber, he has got an old Holden and he's looking for spare parts and there's a there's a very famous cliff that people, you know, dump cars off. They roll them off and he knew that this was a great place for spares. He goes to this location and he looks over and it's a 40 metre drop. That's around about 10 storeys. And he's looking down trying to sort of identify a car similar to his make. And he sees what he thinks is a mannequin. And the the buttocks of the mannequin are sort of facing towards him and it looks as though she's sort of in a like a praying position. But he doesn't know. He, it, he's, as far as he's concerned, it's a mannequin. And then he starts to think, shit, this is... It looks like it could possibly be a person. So he flags a ranger over and the ranger's got binoculars and the ranger's looking and the ranger can see that this is, in fact, a human torso that has been bound, in the, the legs have been bound. And it turns into a very, very big production, as you can imagine. And the forensics police were then sort of lowered down by police rescue, lowered down, 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 and they began to realise that it in fact was a, uh, a female. And upon closer inspection, they realised that she had no head and all her fingers had been cut off and she had severe lacerations. Like we're talking really bad. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, because the fingers were all gone and the head was gone, they realized that they were dealing with someone that didn't want this particular person to be identified. And it was a very, very long and protracted, protracted case. And what the police, particularly the fingerprint people, because they didn't have the, the fingers, um, they proved later on that the offender had used a hacksaw and they knew that it was 32 teeth per square inch and what he'd done, he'd cut through each bone and then snapped. So he did that ten times. The removal of the head was was horrendous, of course, and, and the head, uh, you know, was nowhere near, near the body. The fingers were not near the body. This person clearly, they believed, had had some encounter with police. And he, he understood about, you know, making it tough. And the, the weird thing about this story is that when he threw this person over the cliff, minus head and fingers, um, no one ever would have... We wouldn't be here tonight talking about this had it, the body not been stopped by a tree. If it had have kept going, it would have fallen to the densest bush and it would have been completely um, you know, cannibalised by, by animals. So it was wedged on the cliff It was wedged, top. it was caught okay. on this tree... And it was very traumatic for the police because it looked as though she was sort of in some type of praying position, which is just how she how she landed. But um, eventually, the fingerprint uh, bureau that I I worked for for some years, they had to go to the homes of all the missing girls to prove to sort of be able to identify her. And there are no sort of classification systems, or there weren't when I was in the police force for palm prints. So they had to go into these families' houses and dust in all their bedrooms, all their personal effects, traumatic for the families. Because, of course, it was only one person's daughter. Yeah. And she had a very, very um, unique birthmark. And they had to get the father to go up to Sydney. Imagine the father going into the morgue and and you know you see things on tv these days and i don't know what perception you have of morgues but they don't have sheets over bodies 
they're all naked. And they have special rooms, special fridges for, for decomposed bodies. It's very traumatic going into a morgue, particularly when you've, you know, caught deaths. And it's just, it's really fucked up. And um, this father was confronted with his daughter. Now, he may not have known at that stage that his daughter had been decapitated. So they would have had to have presented the torso in a, you know, in a, and, and, and by the way, it wasn't done through glass. No, no, the family would go into the room. And there on the gurney was this part of a body. Can't they just cover bits? Yeah, well, they would have done that. Okay. Which is, reminds me of an even worse story, which we may not get to tonight. Sorry, it'll have to come tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but so eventually they, they set up a mannequin outside this disco. It's, it's a really amazing, it's an incredible story. A $50,000 reward was offered within 10 days of the, of the girl being murdered. Sorry, why is there a mannequin outside a disco? Okay, they, they, <laughs> they used a mannequin. They put a face, her face, on it because yeah. they were trying to sort of elicit, you know, and the incredible apathy at the time by residents of Wollongong, they just didn't give a shit. And, you know, the police had just... R- they realised they're dealing with someone so bad... Eventually, I'm, I, we don't need to go through all the drama, but we can just say this, that her, her, her name was Kim Barry. She was 19 years of age. She was going out to a disco that night. The offender was celebrating his brother's Bucks night. Sorry, his brother's 21st and his Bucks night. The murderer was getting married the next week. He meets this girl. What he did to her in his bathtub was completely incredible. And then he came up with this incredible, this elaborate story. This particular guy was the most wanted person. He did 15 years, okay? They eventually got him. His wife-to-be, so he's out murdering and whatever, she married him in jail. Yeah. She's still alive. He's alive. Graham Potter is his name. He was the master of disguise. He was a hitman. He was... But he was very smart. Charismatic. When the police meet people like that, it can really throw them. We can no longer make judgments right. about people. Is the assumption that all criminals are sort of stupid and then you meet a smart one and you get thrown off? Because you regularly comment on how well, like, well-spoken a criminal is. Well, look at um, Ed Kemper. Who knows about him? We could do a serious one-night special on him. And I kind of... He's charismatic even though he fucked his mother's head. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, he actually did. I know, I know. I, Dad. But, you know, with reason. I mean, you know, he... But I, Sorry, I, did, did you say with reason? No, I mean, in his mind. Oh, right, okay. But, you know, he chopped his mother's head off and, and she performed without consent because her, bo- her head was not connected okay. to her body. Dad. Sorry. No, it's fine. But that's Ed Kemper. But if you listen to the inter- him being interviewed, he's fucking... He's smart... He was assisting the psychiatrists in the prisons. Is this Ed Kemper? Or Ed Kemper. 
But as far as uh, no, that's no, okay. We, we can come back to that later if you want. If you want. But uh, you mentioned the bathtub. Um, is it by like we, what did he do in the bathtub? Oh, okay. Well, he stoved her head in. Oh. They thought at first it was with a shifting spanner. But okay. A few months later, a guy. His dogs are really sort of agitated in the car, and he pulls up on this country road, miles and miles away up in the mountains and he lets the two dogs go and they run into the bush one dog comes back out really quickly the other dog is clearly agitated and he follows the, the sound of his dog into the bush and there's Kim's head his dog found Kim Barry's head of course it became a crime scene and the incredible amount of bone that was taken out. They surmised it was a shifting spanner. Seven years later, a bushwalker finds a green bag in the bush and he kicks it and out of it comes a rolling pin, a ring, her ring, and her purse with all her credit cards and everything, which is very, very important. Even though they sentenced him to jail, this was very, very important in the case because what he tried to say was that it was drug-related and, and she was involved, she was selling drugs, which is all a, a crock. And if ever you, if you'd like to sort of, you know, if you want to feel really sad, maybe tonight or over the next few days, Google her fo- Kim Barry, the photograph of her. And it's, she's just the most beautiful-looking, innocent. And it wasn't a sexual crime, which is so... What the fuck? And no one knows why he did it. But it was not sexual. It's extraordinary. Uh, that's a really intense story. Mm. Um, I feel obliged to write the ship tonally somewhat. Uh, a couple of days ago, someone posted on our Facebook page uh, a video. This pivot's going to give you whiplash. Um, <laughs> of a cockatoo on someone's like third-story balcony... <laughs> Like pulling pot plants and dropping them, and at one point a guy in a wheelchair to like he almost killed him. Um, and this bird, dickhead, absolute dickhead of a bird. <laughs> Dad, you have dealt with birds for a long time now. You hate them, but one of one of my favourite forensics-related stories actually involves something quite similar in yeah, terms of yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And if there are any fingerprint people in the room, it's a great. It's a very, very short story, as are all my stories. Um, but, um, Paul, were you just admiring your new watch? Yeah, Dad bought me a new watch today for my 40th, which is in a few weeks. So, yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty nice. I found yeah. out when I bought it that it was 25% off. I was so excited. <laughs> and seriously, I didn't know, and I got a bit of a, a, bit of a warm, fuzzy feeling. Uh, okay, so, birds. <laughs> Um, birds. Well, I'll tell you a sad story. It's kind of funny. And it's the sort of story that the New South Wales Police Force would never admit to. In the, uh, in the olden days, that's before I was born. Oh, maybe, no, maybe I was... Let's say it happened in the, in the early 70s. Okay. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Are you a stalker? Um, no, no, kidding. No, I love stalkers. Oh, fuck, I've got a really good but 
I've got a bad stalking story. Do you? <laughs> Hang on. This big guy that's been stalking me. Are you, what? Yeah. Are you being stalked? I don't tell you everything. It's not all, mate. It's do you want to, Dad? Do you want to save the uh, the actually litigious, the scary stalking story for the matinee tomorrow? Yeah, or do you, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll do. Great. No, you can. It's being it's being recorded. Okay. So, um, don't tell them it's being recorded. Tell now them to listen, come to tomorrow's show. Okay. Now listen. There used to be um, the old forensics building, ballistic scientific. Used to be called scientific in the in in the earth, well when I was in the police force. Scientific is a really cool name, and you actually had to be a police officer to get into forensics. It's not like that now. And it was just, it was exciting. It was just the things I, you know. It was like a major at university. You yeah, you just yeah. kind of, you know, you, it was on the job training and it was just, it was brutal. Like the first day, it was just, it was just mayhem, which I really, I liked. And they used to call me, I don't think I've said this to any of you, I used to be called the blowfly. <laughs> Seriously. I, th- I took, I was, I thought it was cool because I used to like hanging around dead bodies. <laughs> and no, no, it's not in a weird way because uh, there were cameras. <laughs> but um, oh fuck! No, 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 that's bad because have you all heard the story about the the penis necklace? Yeah. That's fucked. That's really bad. I know how I how I go. Do you need help? Yes, definitely. <laughs> no, this is very therapeutic, and I'm very grateful. To okay, you all. great. Um, so, we if you had a um, like a floater, is there another? Does floater mean... Well, it's got various connotations, hasn't it? But it, a body out in the ocean, we used to get them all the time. And, and there was a bit of mystery surrounding... None of these people were ever on record, but they could be tatted up with jail tats. You just knew these people had form, but we could never identify any of them. Do you know why? It's the first time I've ever asked the audience a question. <laughs> Is it? Or Does anyone know why we could never identify them? They were foreigners. They were thrown off ships. It happens all the time. Gambling. International ships. You don't pay your your debt. They murder you. They don't really have to kill you. They just throw you overboard and you're fucked. If you go into the prop wash, you're happy. Because worse than... I mean, worse than that would be just waving to the ship. Particularly at night time. Yeah. They wouldn't see you wave. You just see the lights waving off and you fucking get taken by sharks. Okay? But you don't always get taken by sharks, clearly, because occasionally we'd get the bodies. I went to postmortems where prawns were just living and fucking healthy ones. And no, it was like a smorgasbord of, sh- of just, well, you know, and, and mollusks. And I hate that. Dad, this is an, a phobia of mine is things growing inside other things. I know, it's pretty bad. But... Okay, so I'm, my, the point I'm trying to make is that the hands were fucked, they were moist, so these fingerprint people, guess what they did? They had a brainwave. They thought, they'd, well, obviously it's a given that they chopped the hands off. They put them one day on the roof of the old forensics building and they went out to lunch. They left. And guess what? The fucking seagulls came in. <laughs> and they ate all... And they've come back and there's just fucking bones... <laughs> And it was a really, really serious case, okay? Now, that's incredible. Yeah. And the number of hands that I've... I I can't even tell you the number of... There are so many fucked up stories. It's so good. Fuck, we just... It's so good. You know what's weird? We've got this... 
like silly like gig style set list of stories and we're actually we are careening towards closing time so what we're going to do now is we've gotten some of you to actually give us questions we haven't we haven't vetted these at all uh which could be very stupid but i'm going to read the questions and we're going to answer them for you here we go uh this is from lucas and riley we have Lucas and Riley in the audience. Uh, yeah, great. Okay, at the back. Here we go. John, re-funeral industry. There was a case in Victoria two weeks ago where a body was not embalmed or dressed in jewellery as per family request. The funeral director has been charged with multiple offences. Can you recall these things happening when you were in the funeral industry? Now, are you implying that Dad stole jewellery from dead bodies? <laughs> <coughs> well. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Smells. That's, that's uh, actually not even vaguely funny. <laughs> Shame on you. It is. Um, You're okay. But, uh, I mean, okay, so I actually had to... Isn't it funny how I can, we can be really happy and jovial and I can just fucking take you to hell? <laughs> okay, because I got the fucking job once. I had to dress my aunt. Oh. And it was fucked. I don't know why I keep looking at you, but <laughs> it's not that you remind me of my aunt. No, sorry. Anyway, well, anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, you know, I've had to do some really. I've done things that. Have I ever told you all about how? If you have a viewing, have you? Who's here's been to a viewing? Yeah. And you've actually seen the person. Have you ever wondered how they close their mouths? Oh. Do you want me to tell you? No, they don't sell it. You ready for this? And I've done it. I was confronted once when I was learning about what when Christine and I ran Kinsella Funeral Homes whilst I was a permanent firefighter with two antique shops. <laughs> yeah, true. And I, wa- I was fascinated. We had an embalmer and it looked like a slurpy machine. That's what they... In fact, there's someone in this audience that will probably be rather sad when I mention slurpy. He knows who he is. And don't laugh because it's meaningless, really, what I'm saying. But we, we used an embalmer that embalmed Marilyn Monroe. And he also embalmed his own son. And if you've ever seen an embalming, they make a post-mortem look like a day in the park. A post-mortem is a jolly occasion. Does it sound great? <laughs> no, no, com- comparatively speaking. Oh, right, okay. When they do an embalming, it's really messed up. But I... One of the things that I had to do, because mm. they want to keep opening... They're, they don't, they're not consciously going, I want to open my mouth and freak these people out. So what you do, you get the, the silver gun. It's a gun. And you've got these bullets, like a, like sort of an air rifle bullet. And it's got a wire attached to it. And you... I'm going to just put the mic down for a sec. It's fascinating, but it's it's messy and fuck. And then when I got the the job to to dress my aunt, that was that was heavy. So yes, I mean shit. We've got more questions to get through. We, we have really got this so wrong. Um, <laughs> shit, sorry. No, it's because okay, I'm guessing they're all really good. This is it. Well, for, hang on. Did you steal any jewelry when you were working in the funeral home? No. Okay, great. Well, that's fine. We'll, we'll, uh, do we have time for like one more? One more question? Uh, 
keep going. Great. Okay, here we go. Next question. Here we go. Uh, for Paul, I asked this during the Zoom session with the library, but wanted to know if any further plans to write a book based on Hard Seltzer. Uh, Hard Seltzer is a fictional detective in Electric Blue. Uh, I'd like to do a spin-off with him if possible. But uh, in all seriousness, there are actually p- plans penciled in for two separate books to follow up the next series uh, and a potential uh, TV series. You know there's a potential TV series. Like, do you know how many downloads we've had? Sorry? No, we're not shit, sorry. No, we don't okay, actually. we'll just can that. Um, okay, I'm in the shit now. Um, but, but what I can say is we went through seven million downloads a few days ago. Seven. Okay, seven million. That's a fucking big number, isn't it? Yeah. And a few of them are here tonight, so thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, so, you know what, I, it's so wonderful to have you here tonight. I, it's just, it's, it's, uh, I love it. Oh, another question about the book. Are you guys working on a new book? If not, why not? Uh, Matt and Kelly. Uh, yeah, the thing is, Penguin actually, um, I keep tricking them into writing books uh, by telling them it's just going to be a normal book and then later on changing the book on them and they have to publish it because they signed the paper, so sucked in. Um <laughs> I really hope my editor isn't here tonight. But, yeah, no, we are aiming to have more books out within the next yeah, couple of years. I'd like one that's illustrated. Actually, I'd like to do some more drawings. Um, Paul, can you please do the siren sound live? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Do I have to? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Dad loves this noise. Uh, in fact, at one point I was staying in an Airbnb right near your house and uh, you were walking down the street, a very crowded street, and I just leaned over the balcony and was like... And as to even this out, John, we would love to hear you say vagina. I don't understand the question. It's not a fucking question. Just do it. Vagina. This is... Going very well. Here we go. Uh, John, what is your new signature dish? Kim from Newcastle. That's a I, I copped a lot of flack over my signature dishes. Uh, I take cooking very seriously. So I don't know if I can talk about it. Very traumatic. No, I'm kidding. Uh, well, I have, I have multiple, many signature dishes. But anyway, it's... Fuck. Oh, Jesus. I'm not sure, but it's... It's probably very good. It's probably, it's probably rissoles, well, I do like right? Pride. Hang on, whoa, whoa! No, that's that's actually technically. I need to. Tr- My rissoles are special. <laughs> no, no, they are. They're fucking incredible. We don't entertain my wife and I. We never have anyone around. You know why? Because we don't fucking like people. <laughs> I'm kidding. We have no parking. Uh, my mother. Uh, you know, I had the the, the picture hanging business highly strung. Yeah. Did you know that? Okay. Yeah. So my mother, I've retired from picture hanging, by the way, because this is far more exciting. My mother asked me to go and hang a painting for her. I said, Mum, I'm not hanging anymore. (laughs) Like no one. So I just, that's just... There's a Robert De Niro film called Ronan where he uh, he's a plays like a like a thief who comes out of retirement to do one last job. It's nothing like your life, is it? Um, <laughs> actually, we do have a uh, we do actually have oh something. Yes, that yes, but that's not to be. Just we don't want to set a precedent. Next question. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> did Lynette Dawson's family get justice given they had to wait so long, and also they don't know where the body is? To not know where a body is is terrible. Christine, you're in this room. She went to Cromer High. She knew these fuckers. 
life on the northern beaches of Sydney back in the 70s was unbelievably weird. There were, we had a, does anyone recall Penthouse magazine? Penthouse? We had a pet of the year working as a science teacher <laughs> at our high school who was banging year 12 students. Oh yeah, no that's nothing. That's just an average day. I could do a podcast on my fucking high school, which no longer exists. They, they bulldoze it because it was so... Oh, high school. It's clearly traumatised me. You may hear sometimes I do, on the podcast, I do sort of, you know, start a rant. And, sometimes and my I, mother listens yeah. to these podcasts and she... Actually, can I just finish with, not perhaps finish, but just say no, this no, to you all you, really you, quickly? You have like a half a minute. Half a minute. Ready for this? When I was born, oh. I, no, no, the surgeon, <laughs> no, listen to me. The surgeon was drunk. He cut my mother in the wrong spot and he ended up being a liberal politician. And get ready for this. When at the nuns came up to my mother, because my mother's daily churchgoer, and she actually is, and they said, we're very surprised you chose this doctor. He's known for his... Tonsillectomies. Oh. oh yes, true story. <laughs> All right, three <laughs> three minutes of results and a mic drop on that. So um, we actually legitimately have run slightly over time. Uh, so we would just like to very very quickly say thank you so much for coming and seeing us tonight. It means the world to us. We have been suffering live show withdrawals and we've been operating in the dark for almost three years now. So thank you so much for coming out. Uh, I'd like you to please um, give my dad a huge round of applause for everything he does. Uh, and also, uh, I'd like to shout out Guy and Olivia, who've uh, once again hiked across to our live show from God knows where. They've, they've come so far to see us yet again. Um, make sure you head downstairs and buy a copy of the book because they've been stored in our house and Tegan is sick of the sight of them. <laughs> so please buy a copy of Electric Blue downstairs. We're going to sign them. We're going to take photos with you. A uh, uh, big thanks to the staff here at the Comedy Republic. Please give it up. They've been amazing. Incredible venue. And also, I'd yeah. like to say, particularly to the... To the and I don't want to sort of be, you know, PC or whatever. But Paul and I have got an incredible relationship, father-son relationships. My my relationship with my dad was fucked, and he died in COVID. He died, and it was a fucking nightmare. Weirdly, I took a photograph of me, I think, in this outfit next to the coffin, which people thought was weird, but I thought it was kind of okay. But um, <laughs> I guess talk about death-centric. Um, so look or, you know the, the ability to have great you know when Paul approached me a few years ago and said Dad, Dad do you have any police stories I went no seriously I said I've got nothing well you know what's happened it's, uh, it's, it's and, and to do to work with your son is fucking great really enjoy it uh, well that's a nice note to go I don't so yeah um Thank you so much for coming to Loose Units Live. We're going to be downstairs signing stuff, selling stuff. Uh, we'd love to meet you all. And uh, we're going to be doing, like, hygienic elbow bumps. So don't be offended if there's no, like, hand-to-hand -hand face contact. Uh, that'd be weird anyway. Um, but also, uh, we hope to see you tomorrow. We're doing a 1.30 in the afternoon show. And we're really going to test the limits of what's allowed to be set on stage at that particular time slot. So thank you so much for coming, everyone. And we'll see you downstairs. Right. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.